good morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Quint, and I'm the executive pastor here. And we're kicking off a brand new uh, series on worship this morning. And if you've been around a little, like the last couple of months, this is my fifth time preaching since I, the middle of August, which is great, and I love it. But I, for some reason, you would think that I'd be like, you know, just settled in and good to go. And for some reason, this message, which I'm super excited to preach, I was just feeling like, I don't know, uneasy or unsure of. And then in worship, I feel like God kind of like showed me why. And it's because if you're, if you're brand new here, you might not know that I was the worship pastor here for four years. And before that, I was a worship pastor somewhere else for a couple of years. So my entry into ministry, my roots are worship. And so as we're in worship this morning, and we're, we're starting this new series on words of worship, I feel like God kind of showed me that like, you're uneasy about this because this message is like, everything. Like, this is why I worship. This message we're going to hear this morning and what, what I hope and pray God shows us through, this, through his word this morning and through what I'm going to share, I just hope I can communicate it as clearly as I feel it and I believe it and I try to live it. That's, I think that's really what it comes down to is like, I, I know this and I live this and I believe it. I just hope I can teach it as good as the people who have taught it to me. I think that's what it comes down to, all right? So anyways, um, like I said, my name's Pastor Quint. Worship truly is my heartbeat. Today I'm an executive pastor. I do numbers. I do facilities. I do all sorts of different things. My portfolio has changed, but my DNA has not, okay? And worship absolutely is still where God meets me, where God finds me. Um, I have spent a lot of time studying worship. I've had amazing worship moments, much like the one this morning, uh, that have marked me and changed me. And uh, I obviously, if you know me at all, I'm an opinionated person. I have opinions and stances on worship. Um, but this morning, my hope is that we can dig into uh, our word for, for today's word of worship is that word, amen, okay, that we just sang. So what I'd like to do, let me pray, and then we're going to be in Hebrews 10. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them up to Hebrews 10. But let me pray. And then we'll, we'll jump in this morning. Jesus, thank you so much for meeting us here in this place today. Thank you for this church and for your church and the absolute privilege it is to worship you together, to lift you up and to just take a moment together to remember who you truly are, our champion, and how you have just made a way for us to live, uh, live how you originally designed. And may that message just shine through this morning, uh, through your scripture and through what I've prepared. Amen. Amen. All right. Here we go. I'm going to read to you from Hebrews 10. We're going to start here. I got some things to share, and then we'll come back to it towards the end. But it says this in Hebrews 10, verse 11. This is from the message translation. Every, every priest goes to work at the altar each day, offers the same old sacrifices year in and year out, and never makes a dent in the sin problem. As a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins, and that was it. And then he sat down right beside God and waited for his enemies to cave in. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And by that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. The Holy Spirit confirms this and says, this new plan I'm making with Israel isn't going to be written on paper. It isn't going to be chiseled in stone. This time, I'm writing out the plan in them, carving it on the lining of their hearts. And he concludes, I'll forever wipe the slate clean of their sins. Once sins are taken care of for good, there is no longer any need to offer sacrifices for them. Okay. 
I feel like in the last couple of months, there has been this theme showing up uh, in our sermons, in our messages. And it's not just uh, because I've preached five times in the last two months. I think that uh, in August, we did a series on healthy relationships, and I did preach in that third week uh, that some of the reality that we have to embrace, some of the truth we have to understand is that our reconciliation might not happen on this side of eternity with some relationships. There's only so much we can control, but we have this hope waiting for us that we can be reconciled on the other side of eternity when we are reunited in heaven, okay? And then a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Don preached an awesome message. Does anybody remember that? It was called Old Weapons That Still Work. Does anybody remember the Old Weapons? Prayer, praise, faith, and obedience, okay? They still work two weeks later, all right? And then I brought uh, what kind of ended up being a follow-up message to that, and we looked at the life of Daniel, and Daniel is one of those people from the Bible who found his true, full reconciliation on the other side of eternity, when he passed away, okay? He did not realize, uh, he, he lived in captivity till the end of his life, okay? But he still did it well and still journeyed well towards the Father that entire time. But then last week, Pastor Nicole was wrapping up our series, Our Spirit-Filled Church, and she was talking about prayer, okay? And she shared some things with us from Revelation chapter eight, um, and she really showed us the power of prayer and the fact that our prayers fill a bowl in heaven, right? And that our prayers need to go up whether we feel like it or not, whether we're seeing results here on earth, what we deem results here on earth or not. And that ultimately, prayer is providential. It is not conditional, okay? Prayer is providential. It is not conditional. And we need to participate in it period, case closed, okay? We need to participate in prayer. But here is the theme that I think has been showing up that I think we need to call out and then kind of look at today. The theme is this. Our greatest hope is found in the life that is waiting for us. Our greatest hope is found in the life that is waiting for us. Let me say it a different way. Another way would sound something like this. You have a heart that is designed for more than this world has to offer. You have a heart that is designed for more than this world has to offer. And I think up to this point, as this theme is kind of, I don't want to say accidentally, because I don't think there's accidents, but I think as, as it has shown up in some of these messages in, in an unplanned way, I, want, I, I think we've looked at it in those moments as kind of like we are human beings who hope for more someday. We have this hope for more someday, but I, I really want to turn this on its head this morning as we're looking at this very powerful word of worship, amen, and I want us to understand that we are actually designed for so much more than we have right now, so much more than we can experience right now, and I think when we actually understand our original design, then that hope is so much easier to embrace. That hope is, it, we understand it's part of who we are from the very beginning. It's kind of like this. I don't know how your house is, but the house that I grew up in, uh, actually I'm from, not too far from here, a little town called Jamestown, and the, my house and the barn next to it were made of brick, okay? And it was actually made of recycled city street bricks, and they sold them for a penny a piece, okay? It was 9,000 bricks to build this house and this barn, which means the guy spent $90 
on bricks. That's a pretty good deal. But anyways, this house had an amazing front porch, all brick enclosed, and then a front door. But I always went, me and my siblings, we went through the garage and then into the side door, into the mudroom, okay? For 15 years of living there, 98% of the time, I went through the side door, into the garage, through the side door, and into the mudroom, right? And to me, that's how that house functioned. You go through the side, and you're in. That house was designed with a front door. That house was designed with a front porch. That's where you're supposed to enter. But because I only saw it one way, because I only did it one way, I only saw it one way, I think this morning what I want to do is walk through the proverbial front door together, okay, and understand who we truly were designed to be, okay, who we truly, when God saw you, who did he see, what did he intend? And I think when we do that, it changes the game on our kingdom journey. It changes the game, all right? So if we can go uh, back to Genesis chapter one, I'm just gonna do some paraphrasing here. I'm gonna just kind of tell you a big giant story and then uh, we'll kind of try to wrap it all together. But in Genesis chapter one, it shows us the very beginning of everything we now see with our eyes. You can read about it and that's where God created land and sea. He created animals and plants. He created the sky, the sun, the moon, the stars, okay? And then in verse 26, Well, to wrap it all up, he creates humanity in his own image, which means 26 verses in, he saw it good, he saw fit, that we would be created and that we would, he gave Adam and Eve the instructions to rule, to conquer, to uh, be fruitful and multiply, to subdue, to work and keep the earth. That was their instruction. So 26 verses in, he calls the whole thing very good in verse 31. He created us to walk this out. Which means this, when we rewind all the way to to the back, to the very beginning of this book, we see a God who created humanity with the purpose of union with him. We see a God who created humanity with the purpose of union with him and with a role to play in the kingdom, okay? Fast forward just a little bit. We all know Adam and Eve screwed the whole thing up, right? And we probably would have too. So I'm not throwing any shade on them. But we know this, there are thousands of years of heartache and pain and brokenness and hard moments that get us to this moment right here, right? So much hurt and so much pain. But thousands of years pass and Jesus comes to earth as a baby. In a couple months, we're gonna celebrate Christmas. We're gonna celebrate the fact that we believe our savior came to earth as a baby, lived as a human, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, died for our sins, right? This is what we believe if we are Christians, all right? And at the end of the day, what we ultimately see is a God who's just working his way back to what we originally see in Genesis chapter one. He's, this giant story arc just tells that his whole point is he wants to work our way back to this profound truth, this sentiment that we, that he calls it very good and that in his image, we are good. And so, I want the front door that we're going to walk to this morning is that we need to understand we were meant for an entirely different existence than the one we are living. You are meant for an entirely different existence than the one that you are living. And I think when we pray to our God above to bring his will here on earth and we worship, it is a chance to try to wrap our arms 
around that original existence we were meant for. It's why we share things so often. It's why I share things and say, you know, worship is the one thing you can do with someone who has already passed away. I talk about my father-in-law all the time. I talk about my grandpa all the time. And at the end of the day, worship is one of the things we can still do together as they have passed on. But that's what they're doing right now. And that's what makes these moments so holy. And that's what gets us... that's what gets us close to having that feeling, that embrace of our original intent, okay? And ultimately, this word amen that we want to talk about this morning, we seal our prayers with this strong and powerful word when we truly know what it means because amen is a word of worship that we need to learn how to use. We need to relearn it. In fact, I would suggest amen is a word we've been using through that side door And we're going to take a minute here, and hopefully by the end of it, we can start going through the front door on understanding the power of that word, okay? Amen is not just, I love how the Holy Spirit works. Pastor Adam gets up here and says, we need to put a period at the end of the sentence on God is good, which is true. Amen is not a a proverbial period at the end of a spiritual sentence, okay? We might use it as that, but that is not the original function of the word amen. Let me read to you this very simple and very clear definition that I found on the word amen. It means literally true. Amen means literally true. Or it is a way to say that which is true. Okay? In Isaiah 65, the word amen is used to fix a stamp of truth upon the assertion which it accompanied and making it as binding as an oath. Okay, let me say that again. In Isaiah 65, the word amen is used to fix a stamp of truth upon the assertion which it accompanied and making it binding as an oath. Amen is a word that truly means so shall it be done. So shall it be done. Okay? And it is why when we say at the end of a prayer, in Jesus' name, amen, We are not just ending a conversation with some spiritual goodbye. We are placing a stamp of approval. We are stamp of truth upon the assertion. We are making an emphatic proclamation, okay? And that's what we need to understand. A true front door understanding of the word amen has weight behind it. It has power behind it. And it has an authority and a punch. It is an ending that means something. And I think today the hope for all of us is found in in the truth that we are not meant for this world, but we are meant for so much more. And we can stamp that truth with an amen. When we rest in that truth, our prayers and our amens will start to carry more weight. All right? I don't think, like I said earlier, that it's a strange coincidence this theme has been coming up in some of our sermons lately. I think it is God trying to remind us Our final destination is to be reunited with God's original plan for our lives. That is our hope. Our hope is not that we are here now and someday it will or could or should get better. Our hope is that it was supposed to be good and better all along and he's going to reunite us to that, okay? Absolutely. So how does the word amen fit into all this. If you go back to that definition of literally true, amen is a word that was not translated. It was what's called transliterated. What that means is we did not have a word for it in our English language. If you say uno 
in Spanish. I say one in English. There's a word-for-word comparison. We did not have a word for, for amen, which was the original, so we just adopted it, and it became amen. But what you literally could do, what you actually could do if we were going to translate it in, is you would say, in Jesus' name, this is literally true. That's how you could end your prayers. That is what you are ending your prayers with when you say amen. Let's go back to Hebrews 10. I want to read this again. Every priest goes to work at the altar each day and offers the same old sacrifices year in and year out and never makes a dent in the sin problem. As a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins, and that was it. And then he sat down right beside God and waited for his enemies to cave in. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And by that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. Christ's work was to unite us with a destiny we already had, but could no longer access. Let me say that again. Christ's work was to unite us with a destiny we already had, but we could no longer access. No amount of our striving, our learning, our working, our efforts were going to bring us back to that original destiny. But through his work on the cross, his once and done work on the cross, we can begin to realize and accept his plan for our lives. And every day that we choose to walk towards that plan, we take one step closer to realizing that original design he had for our lives. We take one step closer to being reunited with his original plan, his original design for our lives, okay? Now, I mentioned at the top of the message this morning that my entry into ministry was through worship. I thought I was going to help a little church part-time, a few hours a week, lead some songs, uh, you know, whatever. And, and real quickly, God snowballed it into so much more. And here we are. And ultimately, I think for me, what I'm so grateful for is that just like he did this morning, God showed up and continues to show up in my life through the power of worship, through the words, the beautiful lyrics that are planted in beautiful songs, okay? And I'm not this overly emotional person. I'm not. But what I have come to realize is we're not all robots who need to just shut it down and it's all just academic. We are human beings and we need to hear these words and realize what God is trying to teach us through these words and show us through these words and they come from this word so this isn't just a bunch of people's philosophical thoughts or whatever. And ultimately, I think, you know, you can read on the life of David who was, many would call him unhinged. I mean, if you really study just the arc of his emotions, but ultimately what he was doing was he was just trying to pursue who God, what God had for him. He was just trying to pursue God, who, who have you made me to be? I want to be that person. And I think this, I think God is a very intentional and kind and gentle father, as Pastor Adam shared. Jesus showed us the father with his life. If you want to know about the father, you look at Jesus. And, and Jesus' actions were to redeem us, redeem us to the life we already had but could no longer access. In fact, redemption is the act of regaining possession of what was already yours, okay? Christ redeems us, gives us back possession of what was ours that he, he so desperately wanted to reunite us with, all right? And that's why I think we need to consider the power of a word like amen in our prayers and in our worship. 
Because amen is a word that means literally true. All right? And when we get to the end of a prayer, if we're going to stamp it with a word that means literally true, we better have thought about those words that were in that prayer. Right? We better, the, the, the words in our prayer should have weight behind them because we're about to stamp them with a promise that says this is literally true. Right? And so I can tell you what isn't true. I can tell you what isn't true. What isn't true is depression. What isn't true is sickness. What isn't true is anxiety, shame, or guilt. What isn't true is pain or heartache. And we experience all those things, but they're not true. What's true is that God had an original plan for your life, and he's been working his way back towards the redemption of it every single day. He sees you, he cares about you, he loves you, and he has a plan for your life. So my hope this morning, as we kick off this series, as we talk about this big word, amen, and what it truly means, is that we would stop using that word like a period at the end of a sentence. That we would stop uh, being casual with it, or that we would stop honestly using that side entrance view of our human existence. That we would stop thinking like, yeah, hopefully someday, or at least I know someday, you can start to realize who God originally designed you for right now. He had that original plan and you can start walking towards it right this morning, all right? What I would like to do, we're gonna take just a couple minutes. This is not a time to get up and leave early. We're gonna sing that song, the blessing, just part of it. We're gonna spend some time singing this word, amen. We're gonna spend some time reminding ourselves of these promises. This song actually comes straight from scripture. I believe it's out of Deuteronomy. And so we need to get these truths in us. So if we could just take three or four minutes and just surrender to God that he has this, there's this big giant truth we need to embrace. And it's that God had an original plan for our lives and he's working his way back towards our redemption, our redemption towards it, all right? And so let me pray, if you would stand and let's just sing for just a couple minutes and let God minister to us and, and reveal that to us in new ways. Sometimes, just like we talked about this morning, you can know something in your head, but you don't feel it in your heart. You can know something in your mind, but you don't fully grasp it with your spirit. Let's just pray over the next three or four minutes. God unites us with that in our spirits. I believe he can and he will. He's done it for me. He's done it for many people that I'm close to, and I know he can do it in this moment. So Jesus, we just thank you. We just thank you for this truth that you've showed us through your word this morning, Lord, that you were a perfect person who did a perfect work to perfect some very imperfect people, but you have been working your way back towards our redemption every single day. And so may we just sing to that end this morning. May we praise you to that end. And we thank you. We thank you for your patience and your faithfulness with us and your intentions towards us. Amen. Amen. Let's just worship a little bit this morning.